Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Reich, and it's nice to have a couple wins under your belt when, when you're recording these, uh, as I'm joined today by our good pal, Carson Engel. Carson, how, 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 do, how do back-to-back wins sound? Break up the magic, Philip. Break them up. <laughs> it's ama- it, it always amazes me, and, and I, love, I love Twitter followers, and I love, I love everyone that follows the site, but after every loss, I'm putting out so many Twitter fires. It's it's kind of nice to have everyone <laughs> believing in this team again. Even I'm believing in this team again uh, in, in a lot of ways. I, I sent a Twitter request out for a, a Photoshop of how the Magic got their groove back poster. <laughs> uh, just, just just because that, like last night's win just felt felt like the team was back to, to how they how they were playing at the beginning of the season. But what was your take on on the last two games and and whether the Magic are coming out of this funk that they've been in for a month. Right. You'd like to kind of interpret the two games like this, that the game on Sunday sort of catapulted them, got them back in gear, maybe had them regain their confidence a little bit. And then what we saw on Monday night was more indicative of perhaps what we'll see going forward, a Magic team that just really kind of took control in overtime that there was no doubt there that they were going to win that game once they got to the overtime period. Um, That's kind of the Magic team that you hope you see going forward, and it's kind of funny because now we're going to sit here with one more game to go and then the All-Star break, and you kind of wish that, hey, maybe the Magic would not have that break and keep playing the way that they've played these last two games. Yeah, it could be coming. I mean, I think think we were all desperate for this All-Star break, especially because the schedule – kind of lightens up a little bit after the break if you're not playing mm-hmm. the best teams in the Western Conference anymore um, like they like they did last week playing three of the four top teams in the Western Conference and of course they have San Antonio coming in Wednesday but uh, you know if you're playing well you don't want that break to come you know I still think the Magic need a little bit of a break you know you possibly get dare I say CJ Watson back after the break I, I, I don't know what the word is on him when he's returning but he's been out on the floor shooting again so uh, that, that's a good sign. Um, you get get Tobias Harris healthy, although a lot, I know a lot of fans are kind of low on him right now, especially uh, crediting his absence with with the two wins. But overall, I mean, I think if you can't get if you can't get confidence after beating the Hawks on a buzzer beater, even even with the lead that was lost and, and some of the mistakes that were made in the fourth quarter, and if you can't get confidence after matching that with another with a come from behind win on the road in overtime where you, you really took it to the Hawks and executed late down the stretch. I mean, it looked like the Hawks were the magic at the end of that game in some ways with the mistakes that they were making. Um, I don't know what, what's going to turn this thing around. Like, this is the exact kind of game that – these are the exact kind of games the magic needed to fall their way to, to you know, regain that, that aura that they had. I mean, it, it, like, it literally felt like December again, like just the way that there's the confidence that they had that they were going to win the game again. Yeah, I agree with that. And think about just think about how hard it is in the NBA to beat a team two times in a row. And then that team being the Atlanta Hawks, who obviously is what they did last year. They're still a very good basketball team this season. And they've they've had the Magic's number since that last Dwight Howard year, since that playoff year. Right, so to be able to do that, a team that obviously they're more familiar with because of the whole interdivisional ties – to beat them twice in a row, I think is an extremely huge statement and interested to see how they run against San Antonio on Wednesday. And listen, yeah, it's the San Antonio Spurs coming in, but they're going to be coming off a of back-to-back. They make the trip to Miami beforehand. It's the day before the All-Star break. It doesn't really seem like that's a recipe that Pop is going to be able, really rolling out all of his 
big guns in that game. So maybe another winnable game for the Magic sits in front of them right before the All-Star break. That'd be a pretty nice three-game winning streak uh, to head into things with. Yeah, I think, I mean, to have a three-game winning streak heading into the break would be, I mean, I, I, when I looked at the final four games before the All-Star break with the two Atlanta, the two Atlanta games uh, and San Antonio and then, and then L.A. last, last Friday when, after they came home from, from that little road trip out west, you know, I, I thought the Magic needed to split those four to, to really get into the break in a good mood. Uh, winning, they've already won two of those four, obviously. So you get greedy, you want three now. Uh, and, and certainly they shouldn't be satisfied with it. They're not in a position to be satisfied with really anything at this point uh, because, uh, they, I mean, they're, 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 still, they're still fighting to get back in the playoff race. I think they're three games out. Um, but what, I mean, when, when you look at how the Magic played the last two games, what, what would you put a finger on is different that they struggled with so much in January. I mean, because it's still essentially the same team. They're still they're still making some of the same mistakes, but you know, something seemed to seem to finally click in. Well, they do seem more comfortable on the court together. I think that Nick Vucevic has even stepped up his game, maybe a little bit to another level offensively here in these last two games, which has helped because. I heard you talk, uh, you know, the other day on with Tuck and O'Neal, and, and you said he has been the most consistent player on offense, and you're right, but at the same time, I don't think he's really maybe been at his best level of offense night in and night out. And I thought he, he's been more consistent the last couple games. And listen, I don't, I don't discredit the people that want to say that maybe there is something to the fact that Tobias Harris hasn't been in these two games. I think... Myself and my co-host Eric Lopez on the radio were maybe the first or some of the first people to bring up the fact last season of is Tobias Harris maybe the odd man out in a rotation of guys that similarly match each other in skill set a lot of the time and kind of overlap. So I don't I don't discredit the people that want to kind of point a finger at Tobias Harris and it's something this is really a lineup that I didn't originally think of when I was thinking of, okay, how does this thing work? But maybe if that's starting five of Vooch and Aaron Gordon and 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 uh, Oladipo and Fournier and Alfred Payton, if that can work and they're not over, too overmatched on the defensive side size-wise, then that seems to be a pretty good starting five going forward to me. And maybe you at least have to think of at the very – at the very least, Tobias Harris being your super sixth man and maybe even continue to kind of look and test the trade waters with a Tobias Harris if this is if you feel really good about the way you've played the last two games and if you directly attribute those those things to Tobias Harris and the different lineup that you're putting out there now. Yeah, I mean, and it's definitely a concern. I think when the Magic inserted Aaron Gordon into the starting lineup, I was one of my thoughts was to was to bring Tobias off the bench. Um, that brings a lot of other considerations into into play, uh, especially since since Tobias is the highest paid player on the team, and you know, whatever status that brings or whatever you expect from him, uh, you, you know, a lot of people kill Tobias. I, I still think he's a. I mean. These are all these 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 who do you start who do you bench problems for the most part are good problems to have. You want guys who are starter capable, who are willing to accept roles coming off the bench, or willing to push starters for minutes and and, and kind of fight each other in practice for that playing time. And uh, so I, I think it's good to have these these problems. Like it's not a bad thing. Like everyone who's like, oh, the Magic should just trade away Tobias Harris. It's just like, well, it's not a bad thing to still have him around. Like the Magic desperately needs some depth too. Like that. Like we saw the fourth quarter of Sunday's game when you know Shabazz Napier, Channing Frye came into the game and the whole floor just dropped off. They couldn't they couldn't really execute or do much of anything uh, in in that game in that game or in in that stretch. And, and the Magic lost their lead and lost control of the game and, and were were kind of panicky and fidgety moving fo- moving forward. Uh, you know, before we get into some of the some of the trade stuff though, uh, G- January was really revealing for this team, I think. Uh, what, you know, it's easy to, I mean, 2-12, and 12, it's it's easy to go into panic mode. I, I do think the Magic are going to rescue themselves a little bit and stay in that playoff conversation and so accomplish that goal. But when you look at, when you look at January specifically, what did you learn about this team 
moving forward, um, both for, for this season and for you know the next few seasons that the Magic need to do to, to keep this rebuild moving in the right direction? Well, I think what it did is it just really brought everyone back to reality and dealing with the facts that this team, while talented individually, still has some problems collectively. And we all really knew that all along, I think, but we kind of pushed it into the background because of how well they were playing. But this is actually, while it's 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 very tough, and it, at this point, with all the losing over the past three years, it's become almost unacceptable to be at this point right now. It's almost a good reality for everyone you experience because you realize, look, we've got to evaluate this roster. We've got to continue to kind of tinker with it, figure out what works for us and who we want to move forward with, and then go on from there. I, that's the lesson that I take from the month is just that there is still so much work to be done, and I don't want to think that anyone's ever lost sight of that that's making those decisions. But at the same time, I everybody's human, and I do think that this maybe makes it a truer and realer reality to everyone and maybe pushes them a little bit more to say, okay, we really got to have our ducks in a row and figure out what we're doing rotationally, who we think is going to be here long-term, who we want to go forward with, and maybe if there's a piece or two that we think that we can – that we can dole out, then we need to go ahead and aggressively explore those opportunities. Yeah, and obviously the trade deadline is, is February 18th, so about nine days for nine days nine days from now, believe it or not, uh, until uh, some until the Magic potentially uh, have some decisions to make. Uh, when you look when you look at this team, what direction do you think they they need to go in? Um, as far as the trade deadline, there's a two and twelve. I mean, a two and twelve January is certainly going to crash you back down to reality. But even even the most, you know, even the people who did feel like that crash was coming didn't see the teams, you know, essentially becoming the worst team in the NBA. They've, they've had. Um, I don't know if it's still this way, but at least entering Sunday's game, the Magic had the worst record in the NBA since January first. I mean, that's to go from a top ten defensive team to. A bottom five defensive team, uh, you know, in a matter in one month. It, I mean, the Magic aren't a bottom five defensive team. They were a bottom five defensive team in January, but to go from go from there to there is is pretty jarring. It is, and and right that you didn't expect that kind of that kind of drop off, that kind of falling off the cliff. But I'll go back to it, and I and I'm actually, you know, I think most people would think we're kind of a prisoner of the moment on this thought, but. This is something that that I've been talking about for over the course of a year. And to me, Tobias Harris may be that odd man out. Now, that's not to say that he's not a good player like you said. I mean, it's just sometimes somebody would be better utilized with another group of players somewhere else. Now, with that being said, still, I, I don't know that there's an offer out there for Tobias Harris right now that you'd want to jump at because there is still value there. And you don't want to be, you don't want to deal from a position of weakness and be a team that's going to make a knee-jerk reaction. So I, I sort of have been of the opinion that the Magic's moves are going to come in the offseason, not at the trade deadline. But of course, as you said, it is rapidly approaching, and we're going to find out here pretty quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think the market uh, for deals is going to be significantly better in the offseason rather than at the trade deadline, specifically for a Magic team that's looking to not only bring in players that will help them now and win, but also keep flexibility for the future. Um, you know, we've there's there have been a few Tobias Harris rumors that have that have begun trickling out. Uh, there, I mean, there was the Mark Stein report yesterday saying you know, the Magic are not discouraging offers for Tobias Harris, which uh, which is and isn't news. It's news in that. Someone specifically reported the Magic aren't discouraging offers for a specific player, but it's n and but they're not shopping him around. But it's not news in that that's how the Magic should feel about all their players right now. There isn't mm -hmm. a franchise guy on this team yet. There isn't, you know, no, there isn't a guy that isn't attainable for the right price, uh, in my opinion. Um, but if the Magic want to do anything big, Tobias Harris's contract has to be moved to 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 bring in big salary. I mean, he's the biggest salary on the team. Um, so, you know, it, and the Magic are in a tricky, tricky situation because, you know, they value their talent at, at a certain level and other teams value their talent at a, value the talent also at a certain level. 
and it's hard to figure out it's hard to figure out exactly what level other teams value the, this Magic team because they've just been you know they've they've been they've gone through three years of losing they've they've been struggling now in January so that's up the urgency maybe to help the team win a little bit more and and add that you know veteran piece to to help kind of balance things out but you know the Magic aren't just going to give away Tobias Harris or Evan Fournier or anything like that like that's 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 not how they operate um they'll they'll wait they'll be patient I mean Hennigan's been plenty patient um, during the last three four years with this um, but. If the Magic were to make a deal at the deadline, you know, regardless of who they have to give up, what kind of player should the? I mean, aside from the obvious of going after a star, what what kind of player should the Magic be looking at to supplement this roster right now to to make to make the rest of the season a success? Right. Well, before I answer that, I will just note that on a positive note, when when you're talking about how other people evaluate and value the talent here in Orlando. Every time I talk to someone in the league, and this happened again at the Clippers game, talking to someone in their organization, everybody loves this magic talent. And he was like, look, everyone on our in our organization really likes the talent on the floor. So I think people still, even though all the pieces haven't come together for a winning product as of yet I think that everyone around the league still really values the individual talent and sort of says okay can this guy help us can that guy help us now if there was a move to be made the kind of players that I think that this magic team needs is it's an interesting it's an interesting debate but I think that they need someone again in the front court even though Aaron Gordon's been very uh, been very solid since he's come into the starting lineup Maybe if you can find some kind of stretch four guy there that could also be a somewhat of a rim protector, it's a tall order to find someone like that. But if you could, that'd be kind of a guy that you'd want to pull into the mix. And then I'd also say, what's the situation with the point guard setup right now? Is CJ Watson going to be healthy? I think you need some kind of insurance policy maybe there at point guard because Alfred Payton has been kind of up and down and hit or miss, and you haven't had that veteran presence in C.J. Watson. And then just finally, a veteran presence across the roster, maybe someone that could be a, you know, not necessarily a starter, but a seventh, eighth guy off the bench that's got a little bit of toughness to him, a little bit of tenacity, uh, maybe a good perimeter defender in there, but a veteran guy that can kind of rally this team a little bit because I certainly I think everyone would agree that they don't have enough of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's obviously a lot that this team still needs. I mean, it's, I, I've, I've kind of told pe- people this throughout the season. The Magic are essentially a 500 team. So, you know, there's still a lot of flaws and they're just as likely to win a game as they are to lose a game on any given night. And, and so they're going to go through stretches where they look really good like they did in December and then stretches where they're going to look really bad like they like they did at the beginning of the year in November and like they did throughout much of January and, and early February. Um, you know, so there's there's still a lot that this team needs to work on and, and, and fine-tune as far as team building. Uh, a lot of the criticism for January, I think, fell on Rob Hennigan a little bit, and there's seemingly a lot of pressure on him. And while I don't think his job's in any sort of danger, I, I do think he needs to make do something, and whether it's you know now or whether it's in the off season, to push this team a little bit more forward. Um, you know, we we've talked, we've kind of talked talked about this, you know, a little bit. But what what should you know? What are the expectations on Hennigan? You know, in the next two big transaction periods, so around the draft, around the draft, and in the off season, and, and now at the trade deadline. You know what? What should Magic fans expect from him, or what are the expectations on him to deliver a winning team? I, obviously, that's the name of the game. But I'll say this about Rob Hennigan: I, I just don't know people that are critical of Rob Hennigan. I don't know what more you want because let's look at Rob Hennigan's trade. Uh, tr- tr- you know his his track record here in Orlando. Every trade he's made, he's won. Free agency. Hasn't really been a major player there. People can criticize the Channing Fry move, but at that time he was trying to do something, trying to get somebody in here, a veteran, a shooter, and that was what was offered to him. This offseason, he made a big play for Paul Millsap. 
He it didn't work out, but I don't really know what else you could do there. And then you come the to the Drax. Right. I mean, I don't know what more you could really do there. And then you go to the and then you go to the draft situation and the Magic haven't really gotten lucky per se in the draft where they've hit it big like maybe they did in the 90s. That hasn't happened in this cycle of Magic rebuilding. I think for most when when they had their highest pick, it was the one of the worst drafts in the last decade, if not the worst draft of the last decade, and they got a very nice player in Victor Oladipo in that draft. Going forward, I think they've pretty much done the best that they can at the positions that they're at. People can maybe argue with the Aaron Gordon pickup, but again, you're drafting at number four. I think for their interests, they want to. You want to if you're drafting at number four, you want to pick the guy with the highest ceiling possible. And while Aaron Gordon was a huge project, I think that was the right pick there. You go, you go all in or nothing when you're drafting that high to try to get a superstar. And I don't see any of these guys. If we want to talk about, uh, if we want to talk about, you know, a Julius Randle, or they just don't have the same ceiling. So yeah. I don't see They're any safer. turn. They were safer picks. I don't see any turn where Rob Hennigan has really made a misstep with this basketball team. Yeah, I, I'm very much in the same boat. I mean, I think the only place that he may have made a misstep um, is is in free agency and, and the people and the guys that he's brought into the locker room. Um, and I think he fully admits that, actually. I think he um, said in that interview with the Orlando Sentinel that, yeah, maybe the team is a little too young, that there's not enough, there's not enough veteran presence. And I said throughout, la- I think I said throughout last year and, and into this year that I felt like they let, not that not that they needed Aaron Aflalo or Jameer Nelson to stay, but they needed guys like them in the locker room on the floor with these young guys to to be a coach on the floor because a coach can can say as much as he wants, um, but his the impact of what he does will never be as big as the impact of a fellow player on the floor. Uh, and, and they needed that. They just needed that guy. And Channing really isn't that. You know, Channing Fry really isn't that. Right. Guy. I mean, the veterans that they signed, Jason Smith, Channing Fry, they're nice guys, right? They're not yes. guys that I don't think are going to get into you at all. So yeah. that's the kind of guy that they probably need. But you know, I don't know that that guy. We don't even know that that guy was really available to them. We so don't, you don't no, want to. You don't want to overpay too much, and you don't want to stretch yourselves too thin with that. And so I, you know, I don't know that that guy was available for them. And I absolutely agree. I mean, we we don't know what was what was there, and especially as a team that that has struggled for three years, free agents, especially veteran free agents, are not flocking to come to Orlando right now. The Orlando, the the, the key to Orlando. I mean, the frustration of this whole rebuild, I think, has been that the internal development. While the Magic have made all the right moves, they they just haven't taken that. Full step forward. They've you know maybe taken some baby steps forward. They've inched forward, but they haven't gone from really nice young team to okay they're they're a playoff team now. And and the Magic need to get to their playoff team. And and I think this year is, this has helped a lot. I mean I think they've they've shown they're going to be in the playoff conversation. I mean they're what three four games out of the playoffs, so they're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. They've still got a long long way to go. Before the end of the seat, before the before the end of the season, before they have to really start talking about um, the post. I mean, before before the you know the playoffs really really get going, and, and the team's going to learn what playoff pressure looks like when when it comes to March and April when they're when they're on the road out west and they know they got to get some games to stay to stay in the race and, and maybe gain some ground. Um, you know, they, they did this to themselves, but they got but they've got to they've got to you know get get themselves back in it. Um, you know it. it the Magic have made progress. Like, like I said, I feel like last year was the only year that was really a failure where they didn't make the progress that they needed. Essentially, this year is what last year was supposed to be. You know, you win 30, 30 some odd games. You're in, you're, you're in the playoff conversation to the until the end of the year, uh, and then, uh, and then you, you could start selling free agents, saying, hey, you know, we're, we're a piece away from making the playoffs. We think you can be that piece. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big selling point. Right, this season's just sort of come with the unfortunate circumstance that now that middle to bottom pack of the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference is just much stronger. So the Magic really have to fight upstream here to really make a go at this thing when you've got teams like Detroit and Indiana and Charlotte just kind of sit in that mix. And even it's hilarious to me that like all these coaches are getting fired in the league and yet the Washington Wizards and all their talent 
are a game worse than the Orlando Magic yeah, right now. So you kind of you kind of keep waiting for them to wake up and make their charge, but it hasn't happened yet, but maybe it will. And so Orlando maybe even has to contend with them down the stretch. So it's just a really difficult landscape for Orlando to navigate right now. Yeah, it absolutely is, and there's a lot. And, and I've kind of said the Eastern Conference is starting to, to come back. I mean, it, it really came back to the Magic. I mean, if, if the Magic are going to pick a point to have these, you know, gargantuan struggles, I mean, I think they picked sort of the right moment. I mean, depending on how you want to view it, I guess. Because um, if they'd won, they'd actually, you know, be more firmly entrenched in the playoff race. Uh, most of the Eastern Conference fell back, started falling back to them. They, it started falling back a little bit to its mean. And I wrote a little bit about it last week for for hardwood paroxysm um it the team just went from i mean the whole conference just no one was no one had a winning record or they're all five and five no one really gained any ground on it on on anybody and so you know the fact that we can sit here after a two and 12 january you know losing what 15 of 18 game or 15 of 18 games or something like that um we, we could sit here and say oh the magic are not out of this they got you know they're three games back if they can put together uh put together some wins then you know We'll see what happens, uh, you know. So that I, I, that's the exact kind of season the Magic wanted this year. I think. I mean, I know a lot of people had their heart set on 40 wins or 41 wins and making the playoffs and believe that this team can do it, and, and that's that's absolutely great. I mean, I think Scott Skiles said all the right things at the beginning of the year, saying, you know, we don't believe we're a playoff team. We believe we're a winning team. We're going to get to 41 wins, and and the, that'll take care. Of, that should take care of the playoffs. It may not this year, but. That should be our goal to be a winning team because if you're in the playoffs and you're not a winning team, what's what's the point? And and and, and you know, beautiful Scott Skiles logic, uh, <laughs> but you know, to to be in that concept, but you know, as I think a management group uh, to see the progress of this rebuild and, and to have something to sell to free agents, it's let's just be in that. Let's let's the bare minimum. Let's just be in the playoff conversation. Come April, let's play meaningful games in March and April, and see where the chip, where, see where the chips fall, see how guys improve, see how this team comes together. Um, before we get into one more long-term question to ask you, um, you know, coach is always the easiest guy to replace. We're seeing a lot of crazy coaching moves in the NBA right now. Um, Derek Fisher, you know, getting fired on Monday. Uh, we, you know, George Carl to be fired at any moment, probably even before I publish this podcast. Um, what, what, what do you think of the job Scott Skiles has done? How, you know, how much of January falls on him as much as the players? And, you know, what, what, what is, how has he done with this team in general? So I honestly think most of January does fall on the players. They've just got to be better. It's this very, very simple answer for that. I do think, listen, I mean, Scott Skiles has tremendously improved this basketball team. They're significantly more competitive against high-level teams in the NBA than they were prior to Scott Skiles' arrival. So I really don't have many bones to pick with him. Has he been a little bit meddlesome with the lineup, and has that maybe turned some guys off? Perhaps. We sort of knew what we were getting with that component in Scott Skiles, but I can't argue with the results, and the results are that he's definitely done a massive turnaround with this team today. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so too. I think he's, um, I think he's, he's established a, a, a standard, um, that the team's had to live to and, um, they haven't always lived up to that standard. Um, certainly I think some of the lineup decisions can be questioned. Um, there's been a lot of poor execution and so, you know, maybe sometimes simplicity should win the day, but, at the end of the day, like the way they played Sunday and Monday, just showed that they still have that cap- that type of play in them, and it's just about can this Magic team have kind of the mental toughness to stick with it when it isn't working, or to stick with it when things don't go their way, and, and that's the thing that a young team has to learn. I, I feel like a lot of the mistakes that have been made this year is are, are young team mistakes, and while that isn't an excuse, and you still expect them to to win. Um, you, you, you have to expect them also to learn from their mistakes. And that was maybe the struggle of January was the same things were happening over and over again without correction. And no matter how many times Skiles can tell a guy, hey, you've got a timeout. If, if you can't get the ball and call a timeout or we've got a foul to give, foul, you know, if he's driving past you, foul him. No matter how many times a coach tells you that, if the player doesn't execute it, it doesn't matter at all. And, you know, honestly, like, 
I think we talked. I think we talked about it. Um, I think we talked about it uh, on Sunday a little bit. The fact that the Magic called a timeout instead of inbounding the ball and turning it over or forcing a pass and turning it over was a good sign. I mean, even last, even in Monday's game, when they were struggling to get the ball in, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this, like on the inbound, on the inbounds issue, I, I posted this. You know, you know, this is two coaches now where the team can't inbound the ball. Maybe it's not the play design. Maybe it's the players just don't know how to execute an inbounds play. Um, Scott's inbounds plays aren't great, but at least he's bringing guys to the ball. Whereas Vaughn would have one option, and if that option wasn't open, it, it you know, the the play was dead, and, and the Magic would turn it over. Um, but at least you know, yesterday they got they they struggled to get the ball inbounds. They, you know, he Alfred Payton over through Vucevic, and Mario Hazonia came in and saved it, and and saved the possession, and then eventually made a rookie mistake, dribbled himself into a trap, and turned it over. Um, but you know you can live with that because he's making rookie mistakes. Um, you know you can live to that live with that to, to some extent. Um, not not fully, of course, but um, but you know the important thing is that the Magic show progress, that they learn from their mistakes and they get better. And what was most encouraging about the last two games to get back to that was that they they showed that they showed that progress that was missing throughout most of January. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good way to sort of summarize it with the whole with the situation. And listen, it's it's a players' league, and coaches are there to institute systems to kind of provide a blueprint, a exoskeleton for kind of how you want to run your basketball team. So that's what Scott Skiles done. It's up for the players to execute that. They have obviously done so at some sometimes, and sometimes they haven't. But I always am going to put more of the blame and the onus on the talent on the floor than the guy on the bench. He's clearly, I think, done his job and executed what his objectives were. And you kind of give the team a mixed bag or a uh, maybe a middle-of-the-road grade in their job of executing what they've been asked to do. Yeah, and that's, and that's obviously a... That's obviously uh, something that this, that this team's going to continue to learn how to do, and, and you hope that they come out better for it. That they, you know, when, when they get the chance to work on themselves in the off season, that they understand a little bit more what it takes to win in this league. I mean, you, it's only it was only an abstract idea uh, for the last few years, and and now um, it's becoming reality. And then reality can can be like a like a you know cold you know bucket of water splashing you in the face sometimes. Um, as, as as January should should have taught them all. Um, this weekend, of course, is the All Star Weekend. A nice deep breath. You're going to be up in Toronto for us. Uh, you know, the Magic have a few guys go heading heading out there. Uh, what what are you most excited about seeing uh, in this year's All Star Weekend festivities? Well, yeah, I'm most I'm most excited to see Aaron Gordon. Uh, I mean, let's really think about. Obviously, Victor Oladipo had a very nice performance in the dunk contest last year. Didn't win it, but if we really think about who's the best dunker on this Magic team, who has like more signature in-game dunks? I think it's Aaron Gordon, and that's an Aaron Gordon that doesn't even play nearly as much that the Victor Oladipo does at least I until mean, the Ola, last couple Ola, weeks. I mean Oladipo had the two had the three had the two 360s. He had the dunk over LeBron that was partially blocked. Uh you know, he's 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 had some big in-game dunks, but no one no he no one wows you with their athleticism quite like Aaron Gordon. Right, so I'm excited to see what he does and I think out of everyone in the field for the dunk contest, he's got the best chance of unseating Zach Levine in my opinion. Uh, I agree too. I mean, I take nothing away from Will Barton. You know, I, I, I do feel like Andre Drummond's an afterthought, which may work right. for him because he may surprise everybody. But I, I don't take anything away from Will Barton. But I, I do. I see this as an Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine dunk fest coming up. Um, they're both. They're the they're the two best athletes in this in this contest. And uh, you know, you know, Gordon, Gordon has something planned if he can if he can pull it off. Is the is the question? Um, you know. If, the guy is just a freak athlete, uh, and and just a really, you know, just this this is what I mean. You you could tell in his comments to Josh Robbins, he was dying to be in this this dunk contest. Well, and he's Absolutely one of those dying. guys. He's got he's got he's got that fun personality. He kind of has that zest and that energy that I think plays well for this. Same thing like Victor Oladipo has. 
that they're going to have fun with it and be creative with it. So I expect that from Aaron Gordon. And when you've got the athleticism that he has to pair with that, I think you've got a great shot to win this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we, we talked – I think we talked you – know, I think you're, I, you know, you're probably going to write about this a little bit when, when you get mm-hmm. to Toronto. Um, what can the dunk contest do for a player's profile? I mean, we saw it – I mean, I think the dunk contest last year really catapulted Victor Oladipo for the last half of the last, you know, for the unofficial second half of the season where sure. where we really thought that he was beginning to take that star turn both as a personality off the floor and as a player on the court. What, you know, aside from just fulfilling a lifelong dream for Aaron Gordon and kind of being the one contest that Aaron Gordon was born to be in, what what can this this competition do for him? Yeah, maybe maybe just create uh, even more short short term momentum for him because he's going to be able to sort of parlay this couple week stretch in the starting lineup and some really some solid play on the court. He'll be able to parlay that now in an All Star weekend into the dunk contest and then just take all of that into the second half is is significant. I I expect him to have a great second half because of all the converging factors and you know I mean. Guys talk to guys when they're there. You never know what kind of little tip here and there he's going to get from everyone around him and what he may be able to take, that little small, minute thing, take that to the court in the second half, and and, and then what that what does that do for him? I do think that that's an underrated part of the week yeah. for players is that's to kind cool. of compare notes and to talk shop with different guys, both current players and legend players. And I'm sure there'll be people that like that like Aaron Gordon's game, that reach out to him, that talk to him. So the whole experience from a growth standpoint for him, being around contemporaries in the league that are obviously maybe a step above what you would see on a night-in and night-out basis, I do think that there's a significant edge and a confidence boost that that provides a player. And so with all those things together... I think Aaron Gordon has only positive momentum uh, in you know behind him. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I think Jeff Turner noted on on the Magic broadcast yesterday that Aaron Aaron talked with Dominique Wilkins a little bit um, before you know during the, the during the two game set. Um, well, at least while they were in Atlanta, it appeared he chatted with him a little bit uh, about you know Dominique if Do- Dominique likes Aaron's game and, and gave him some tips on on. You know how to how to attack the basket, which is I think the next step in Aaron Gordon's development is learning how to how to be a be a better offensive player and, and attack off the dribble a little bit, which is something he wants to do, but is still a little bit of little, still a little forced with him. Uh, you know, before moving on to the Rising Stars game, you know I agree. I think Aaron Gordon's in for a big second half of the season, just just because you know he's playing more, he's playing with so much confidence. What have you seen from Aaron on the floor so far? Uh, and, and you know, have the you know how how do you think the Magic have done, kind of developing him and, and grooming this kind of boundless potential that that Gordon has? I think he's on schedule. A huge, huge yeah. project when he was drafted. So just to keep him on schedule is important. And he's a spark plug, an energy guy that maybe you think is a little bit undersized at the four, but he's able to play that position pretty deftly and be a little bit more of a rim protector than what they've had in there. They really haven't had anything. I don't think he's a terrible fit with Nick Vucevic either in the front court. I think that we've seen that that's not the worst pairing there. So yeah, offensively, obviously he needs a ton of work, but the potential is there. They've brought him along perfectly. They haven't overwhelmed him. So I like what I'm seeing with him. And if he can just continue to learn and grow and you can morph some guys, you know, it's, it's going to go one of two ways. I mean, some guys just as athletic as they are, they hit that ceiling in basketball ability and it never translates. But some guys with the tremendous athleticism that Aaron Gordon has are able to take that athleticism and build that into also high-level basketball skills. So that's the question with Aaron Gordon. It's the question that that we've had ever since he's drafted and and it does remain, but he has certainly proven himself to be a useful piece going forward for the team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think we still don't quite know what he's going to be on the offensive end yet, and, and no one can. I don't even think Aaron knows what he's going to be on the offensive end quite yet. But I do think 
Gordon's already proven himself to be a really skilled defender. Um, the job that he did the last two nights, I know Millsap scored 22 last night, but he didn't shoot the, shoot the ball very efficiently. Um, the job he did on Paul Millsap the last two nights was, was really incredible. Um, and he's, he's going to become the Magic's lockdown perimeter defender as well as a stretch, as well as a kind of post defender too. He's got that versatility and that's exactly what the Magic imagined when they drafted him. And uh, honestly, on defense, I think he's even ahead of schedule. Um, early on in the year, he struggled guarding guys off the ball, and I think he's gotten a lot better at that, where he's able to come down, help, and then get back out and close out and stay on balance and, and, and defend one-on-one again, which is such a huge, huge step for a young player. And um, you know, I, I, I think expectations should be pretty high on, on Gordon. Um, he hasn't had a healthy NBA summer yet. Uh, this This weekend will actually be his first All-Star weekend since he didn't make the Rising Stars game in either of his first two years, which is disappointing, but, you know, due to circumstances, uh, a little unsurprising. I mean... Come on, just rip, just rip the format. Uh, just rip sure. the format. Oh, you know, no, Gordon, Aaron Gordon, if, if, they, if they had a regular <laughs> format, Aaron Gordon would be in the, in the Rising Stars game. He's one of the ten best sophomores in, in, in the NBA, and, the, the, you know, I'm not going to... I don't want to completely trash the U.S. versus world format because I get what the NBA is trying to do and showcasing international players to an international audience. But I want to see the best rookies and sophomores playing. I don't, you know, like I love, I-, I love you, Mario, but you're not, you're, you should not be in this game right now. And I know the, yeah. the rookies. I know Mario's rookie. Aaron's a sophomore, so you can't take Mario out out and put Aaron in. But Mario is not one of the ten best rookies in the league right now. He's he's playing a lot better, mind you, and and we'll talk about him in, in a little bit here too. But. You know, this this U.S. versus world format leaves too many guys who need to be there out. It does. It's a little bit of an awkward mix because normally, just on an average, you don't have the same talent pool of international players and the to be able to now. competitively put in this game. So it's it's a little bit of an awkward fit. Again, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't have a super gripe with it, but I it is I would prefer the rookie sophomore thing as well. Uh, but, you know, that's, yeah, what the NBA is trying to do, obviously, with the globalization of the game is, and obviously we're going to be, we're not even going to be in the U.S. for this one. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it makes sense, I guess, to yeah, some extent. What, what, are you, what are you looking forward to most in, in the Rising Stars game? Obviously, Alfred Payton and Mario Hazonia will be playing against each other. I do expect Mario to uh, to try to, to embarrass his teammate just like uh, uh, Vooch tried to embarrass Nicholson. Uh, when, when they were playing in the game together uh, during that first rebuilding year. But uh, what, what are you expecting from this game, uh, from, from, from the Magic players and, and in the game in general? I mean, it's, yeah, I it's just, just a glorified pickup game. I really just hope it's like all systems go, green light Mario Hazonia. Like, I just yes. want Mario Hazonia to absolutely tear it up. I'm hoping... That's what we see. Get Mario Hazonia with a little bit of swagger, maybe some crazy dunks, some threes, obviously. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping that he kind of uses this as his showcase. And listen, I mean, the world roster's got some talented players on it, but I don't think it's out of the question that maybe he gets hot and then he just kind of keeps going. Oh yeah, no. I, when when they named Hazonia to the roster, I was like, this is this is the exact kind of game Hazonia is built for. Um, you know, he'll just. If, if he doesn't feel like he needs to attack, he'll just stand in the corner and, and get passes from the point guards. When he does need to attack, no one's going to play defense and stop him, so he'll get to the basket. Uh, you know, he, this is the kind of game where, you know, all the internet love for Mario Hazonia, and we, we felt a little bit of it last night when he hit that big three. People, you know, people were like, I mean, there, there are plenty of jokes going around saying Mario Hazonia should not have passed the ball out of that double team. He should have just shot it because he's <laughs> and he's a god. Uh, you know, we're, you know, I give Mazzonia a lot of credit. Like for all the talk about his his swagger and confidence, the guy makes the right plays. He's not a selfish player in any right. He's he's very confident, and you you saw you saw it a little bit after he hit that big shot. It was just like, yeah, no, you know, no no big deal. Like guys wanted to celebrate with him. He's like, I'm getting back on defense. Like it, like that was it. And there's no doubt about that. Um, but and especially him having the confidence to shoot that shot after missing an open three on the previous possession that had you kind of scratching your head at like, why are you shooting that shot? I mean, I know you can make it, but that, that wasn't a great shot. But um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, Mario's, Mario is such a character and, and 
people love people love this guy. They 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 love his his energy, and uh, I, I think this will be a big national like a national NBA coming out party for him, or potentially. I, I think if if he cares about it. I mean, Mario is also the kind of guy that's just like, yeah, I I don't care. Uh, this is this is this is a stupid <laughs> exhibition. I I don't I don't. This isn't worth my time. That's, um, that's true. He could take Mario he could is. take that angle. Like we know that he didn't really grow up watching that much NBA basketball. So I don't even know going into this thing, like, you know, and obviously we're going to get a chance to interview him on Friday is like talking to him is like, you know, normally a lot of times, especially with the guys that are rookies or sophomores, you kind of talk to them about like the experience and what they remember from all-star games growing up and who they're excited to see and all those kind of basic questions. I don't really know that that's Mario Hazonia's bag though. Like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to really get into that at all or like oh wow it was great to meet this guy he's just sort of like i'm mario zonia and i'm i'm here to do my thing let, so let, let messi let come see me yeah so messi i don't know you. how who knows who knows i don't <laughs> know how that's gonna go <laughs> no it'll be um it'll be very 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 interesting to see um you know if if mario cares like this is a game that he could score a lot of points and be active in and uh, Alfred Payton too. I mean, I think last year Alfred Payton kind of went through the motions in this game and didn't really do much. And um, you know, if he cares enough, like he can get into the paint and like have fifteen, you know, twenty assists because that's the nature of this game where there's literally zero deep, zero interior defense being played, and usually as many dunks as as, as any player wants to get. Um, it's you know, it's it, it, you know, you don't want to read too much into what's going on in the game. I, I guarantee. If Alfred Payton has another four point, you know, has another two point four assist night, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, this guy's trash! Like, why is, why is he, why is he, you know, why are the Magic investing so much in this guy? He's garbage. Look what he did in the also in the rookie game." And I'm just like, <laughs> "Who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? Really?" Who cares? Right. I mean, we just know that like Alfred Payton. Someone not will. The Someone kind of, will do it. Someone will do it. He's not the kind of player that pops in a game like this. It's all about points. Yeah. He's not gonna load up those. He's not gonna be that guy that just loads up on the points. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I don't really expect him to do much. It be just just because it's not really the kind of game that that he's going to really be showcased in. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But it should be it should be a fun weekend, nonetheless. Um, before before I let you go here, there's always one player who is the star of All Star Weekend. It was in Orlando. It, I mean, when when the game was in Orlando, it was like Kyrie Irving's big coming out party. Um, Kevin Durant had a big all-star game and Kevin Hart was a thing. Uh, you know, there's always that one guy that stands out the most in all-star weekend. If you had to pick one guy to be that guy, uh, who do you think it is? See, cause I don't want to go lazy here and pick Steph Curry. Cause I mean, it's like, how much more does he really need to be out there? But, and he was kind of one of the main guys last year that I thought sort of was in the spotlight. So Oh, it's tough because I kind of think it'll just be – I think it'll be another all-star game for Steph Curry to kind of just be out there and be that be that big-time star. I really – I just – I, I want to give something a little bit more – a little bit more entertaining and, and off the yeah. – maybe off the, you know, off the beaten track yeah, from, yeah. from that. But I, I think it's – I think it's Steph Curry, man. I mean, I think there's the potential for this to be kind of Kyle Lowry's weekend because he's going to be right. a three-point shootout. It's obviously in his his you know team city, so there's going to be a lot of push for him. I I actually, as I was asking the question, I realized what the answer is. Everyone's everyone on that West team is going to be doing, assuming he plays. Mm. That's Everyone true. on that West team is going to be doing everything they can to make Kobe Bryant the MVP of the All Star game. I, 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 you know, they they always do that. If there's a guy that that you know needs it for whatever reason, they will do everything they can to help him out. Um, right. And the guy I would love to say, although it's just big men don't always pl- play that great in these games, it just doesn't suit itself for the for the big guy is Andre Drummond. If like, I think the, he has he some wins, potential. It's, it's like when Dwight won the dunk, dunk contest or when Dwight uh, in Vegas when, when he had the best dunk of the dunk contest and right. got, robbed, got robbed there. Yes. Um, that's, that, it beca- if, if he does well in the dunk contest, it becomes his weekend. Right. Um, or, I mean, it becomes his national coming out party. Um, maybe not necessarily his weekend because I think you're right. Those guys don't typically do well um, in, in, the, in the game itself. 
Um, you know, yeah, I, I get the feeling that this is going to be an all Kobe weekend. Kobe's not going to ask to sit out the All Star game. He's going to want it to be his last last deal because he's had some great All Star moments in the past, and and obviously one of the all time leading scorers in All Star game history. I think he is the all time leading scorer in All Star game history. So, um, if if he can get it, if he can get it going even just a little bit, um, I think the team. I think the West tries to get him the MVP um, any way that they can, uh, and so it's it's going to be it's good. There's going to be a lot of Kobe this weekend, Carson. I, I hope you're ready for it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm okay with Kobe, so I'll I'll be I'll be fine with that. I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to get real uh, real frustrated or or agitated by it. I'll be all right. Okay, okay. that's 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 good. Um, well, we're. we're almost here at the end is there is there anything else you want to you want to add before before you you pack that winter coat and, and head, head, yeah. head up to the great white north it's it's hanging here right now i know temperatures might get a little brutal i saw there's like a low of negative three i believe on all-star saturday night so is that fahrenheit or celsius that is fahrenheit Ooh. so wish me luck good luck carson uh i'm gonna be chilling here where it's probably gonna be in the high 60s <laughs> I might, I might, I might actually be at the uh, Orlando Magic watch party Saturday night down at Graffiti Junction in, in downtown Orlando. There uh, you go. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't think I need to be be sitting in front of my computer for for for, for that event. <laughs> I don't think anything crazy will happen uh, on the internet while while I'm, while I'm gone. So I, I may head down there. Um, if you, if any of the listeners want to head down to Graffiti Junction, I'll probably be there. The Magic will certainly be there and have lots of fun stuff too. And uh, you know, I'm sure stuff will be there, and everyone loves stuff. Apparently, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love stuff? As long as he's not doing slow claps, I think we'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, with that, we'll we'll close up shop here. Uh, Carson will be up in Toronto for All Star Weekend, so check out his coverage of all the events uh, of all the events in Toronto uh, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can find us now on iTunes as well. You know. Do what you got to do. What you got to do to subscribe there, as well as you know, leave us a rating. Maybe I don't care. You know, just don't make it a bad one. Uh, <laughs> we're also we're also now on the Hardwood Paroxysm a blog network as well, uh, so you can listen to us there and all the great blogs there. There's some really really good ones that I personally listen to, so definitely check that out. Uh, Carson, thanks very much for being for being on the show, taking the time. Uh, have fun in Toronto. Yeah, I will, man. Thanks so much, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. We will catch you next time. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.